episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 16. Running this podcast on a weekly basis has its challenges. Normally I've got guys lined up, you know, a week or two in advance and uh, we try and get the recordings done early in the week and there's quite a bit of editing that goes into putting out an episode and uh, I've done pretty well so far, I think, but, but this week my guest fell through at the last minute and instead of skipping a week, I thought it might be time to tell my story. So I get a lot of questions about my build and my truck and uh, and I know I talk about it a bit in the episode, so I thought it might be worth just uh, doing an episode, having a bit of a chat about my journey and, and sort of what brought me to, you know, be sitting here talking to you each week about pickup trucks. So I when I originally started the podcast, I, I had recorded a a whole interview, not an interview, but a, a bit of an intro on myself. And I listened back to it a couple of times and decided I hated it. So I've never run it. But uh, I just thought I'd sit back and uh, basically, I guess, interview myself, give you a bit of an idea on, on how I got into things and and uh, get some information. So uh, my first car memory, that was a hard one. I, I really thought about it. I've, I've got a really bad memory to start with, which doesn't help. But uh, the first memory... Of, of a vehicle that I can really remember was my dad. Um, he had an XD Falcon. I think it was a white one. It was a company car. He was an undercover narcotics officer uh, when he was younger. And then as he worked his, um, his way up, he ended up working for Armaguard. So anyone that remembers, you know, 25, 30 years ago, the, uh, the Armaguard trucks would leave Melbourne and they'd drive around the country and they'd pick up uh, all the money from the banks and you know the the big businesses and they so it was called the country run and my dad was in an unmarked falcon and he would follow the armored truck around the countryside as they did the pickups and this is back in uh, a little bit of the wild west days where you know people would still try and rob a truck so dad was uh yeah he he had an interesting job he had the shotgun on the back shelf of the uh the falcon and a, and a pistol on his hip and that that was his job and he got into a few shootouts over the years and uh, having a young family, that's uh, effectively what, what made him retire and we moved up to the country. But that's my first memory really is is dad, um, you know, cleaning his guns and putting them back in, in this Falcon. And and then from then on, it was just a bunch of uh, other cars from there. But never really had anything too exciting until uh, he, he found his dream and he bought a 1959 Ford Custom line. So he bought that at an auction from Shannon's Classic Cars and once he purchased that, that was it. We were at we were at every rod run and uh, car show that we could get to. So that really got me into the cars a bit more. And and when I was probably I don't know thirteen or fourteen, um, we went out and found a couple of old Utes on a on a property. And so the first car that I 
ever own was a 56 uh, Vauxhall Velox ute. So we dragged that home and had all these ideas. And to be honest, I really didn't do anything but shoot it full of holes uh, with my 22. So it sat on the property for a while and I think it ended up getting junked and uh, never did anything with that. Then I got a, a 53 Ford mainline ute, which was the anniversary model if you're a Ford person. They're, um, they're quite a nice uh, ute. So I stripped that down to the bare chassis and started sort of cleaning it up to go and get it sandblasted and I was I was quite excited and quite keen. And then I don't know what really happened. I think girls and you know, skateboarding and other things got in the way and it sat around for a few years and, and Dad eventually sold it to a friend of his and I don't know what's happened to it. Hopefully it made it on the road. After that, we got hold of a, an EK Holden, about a 62 EK Holden sedan. That sat around for a while. I never did anything with that and Dad sold it. So I don't have a good history um, in my early years. I... I like to pull stuff apart, but it didn't often get put back together by me. When I turned 18, uh, the first car I bought with my own money was a ZG Fairlane. So that's a, a big tank of a Ford with a 302 V8 in it. I paid 750 bucks for that off a neighbor, and that was probably one of the best cars I've ever had. Very, very comfortable. The, um, the bucket seats in it were so old and worn out that you could just fall asleep in them like a good leather recliner. So I love that car and I think I must have passed that on to my brother and I, I went through a whole bunch of different Fairlands. I had ZGs, ZJs, all sorts and uh, ended up doing a lot of traveling, went overseas and so every time I came back, I'd just buy a cheap, normally a VN Commodore station wagon. Uh, I could fit a mattress in the back and a surfboard and you know cruise up the coast for a surf. So that was kind of the thing for me. So for a, quite a while there, cars were just just a utility you know it was a it was a ford laser or it was a holden commodore wagon there was nothing real special going on and then i decided uh at one stage i needed to get myself a split screen combi uh they were still they were still sort of affordable at that point and probably about 10 10 or 12 years ago so i got on ebay and bought a 67 11 window split screen combi it needed a lot of work and i'd never done any welding to that point in my life so I bought a $200 eBay MIG welder and uh, I started uh, what I would probably describe as hacking this combi up and trying to weld it all back together and really loved it, had a, had a good go at it. I mean, it was a, you know, I was using a gasless MIG wire and all sorts of backyard tricks, I suppose, and I was on, on the combi forums and trying to, trying to understand how things were done and have a go at it. And I got to a point where... I ran out of money and I couldn't afford to keep it, so I ended up selling it. And um, you know, I didn't lose any money on it. You don't really lose money on combis, but I often wonder what ended up with that. I I really hate to see the early welds that I would have put on it. They, you know, after what I know now, I know they would have been horrendous. So I sold that and then sort of lost track of doing car stuff for a while. And then and then I got to a point I don't even know how I decided I wanted to pick up, but I think when I was working on the combi, I, I was going to a lot of combi shows and. I had the idea that I was going to do this perfect paint job. It was going to be um, black over a sort of a really bright green two-tone combi. And uh, if anyone knows anything about combis, it's really hard to get those panels straight and flat. And, you know, I was looking at all that stuff. And as I went to the combi shows, I started seeing these rat, um, especially beetles. The beetle scene was really big on the rats and they were original paint, really rusty and, you know, nice set of chrome wheels and lower to the ground. And, and then the combis are starting to do the same thing. And I started to realize I really loved the look of it. And I also realized that there's 10 grand worth of paint that you didn't have to do. Uh, so 
Yeah, patina is always one of those discussions that I have with a lot of people. And you know, some if you're old school and you like paint, then then patina's a shortcut. You know, people see it as that. And I guess originally that's how it started. But uh, I think good patina now is it's really become an art. And you've got to you've got to repair the rust panels, and then you've got to blend the paint back into the patina. And I think in some ways it's almost as much work as a good paint job, and uh, probably not as expensive, but a lot of care goes into it. So I started to really love that idea. So so when I decided I wanted to buy a pickup, uh, I was looking around what we had here in Australia and I honestly don't know what really drove me to to have a pickup. I mean, my daily my daily drives are Land Cruiser Ute and I've got a steel fabrication and, and sculpture business. So for me, having a Ute was always, I always had to have a Ute. So I thought, well, if I can get a nice, cool old Ute, that'd be good. And I found a, a 58 Dodge, uh, I guess it's a Dodge Fargo ute that was on a property uh, near Myrtleford down here in Victoria. And it had some of the best patina that I've ever seen, even to this day. It was just awesome. It was a, a light blue and I'll post some pictures when we put this episode out, but I fell in love with it straight away. But I fell in love with the patina and that's, you know, I was like, oh, this is the perfect patina. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I bought it dragged it home and I sort of had it sitting around for a while and I was starting to plan what I was going to do to it. And and I realized I love the patina, but I didn't love the Dodge. And it's it's a big undertaking, obviously, when you're going to build one of these vehicles. And the idea of spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars and and thousands of hours working on something that that I honestly wasn't totally in love with, I kind of realized I'd be better off selling it and finding something that I really wanted. And at that stage, I, I had my heart set on a on a 48 Ford F1 sort of body style. I really loved those. And I'd grown up as a Ford man. You know, my old man had a custom line and I had a bunch of Fords. And uh, I'd had a few Holdens and things in the middle. But, you know, I'd, I'd traditionally been brainwashed by my father to, to be a Ford person. But I remember as a kid even having Model 57 Chev sedans. I, I'd always liked the Tri-5 Chevys. And... Yeah, I don't know, don't know when it really happened, but I I was chasing down a Ford and I I found one in Melbourne. It was a it was a it wasn't an F1 because obviously they're not lying around here in Australia, but I think it was about an F5 or an F6 truck, and it was running. Uh, it looked pretty good. It looked like it had original paint. Uh, it was an online ad, and I got really excited. I wanted to buy it. It was about five grand, so I advertised the Dodge and sold it. So I drove all the way down to Melbourne with a bunch of cash in my my pocket to have a look at this. Uh, this Ford and I got down there and it, you know, he had the running flathead V8 in it and it, it looked, it looked pretty good, but it, it just had a lot more rust in it than what he'd shown in the photos, which is not that unusual, unfortunately, with people trying to sell stuff online, but yeah, right, right in the wrong spots. It had rust. If, if it was just lower cab corners, that sort of thing, I would have been into it, but it, the whole belt line uh, below the wind, the back window was totally rusted through. And I don't know how he'd magically taken the photos, but he had, and, and you couldn't see them, but, Anyway, so very hard when you got the truck you really want sitting in front of you and you got cash in your pocket and you've just driven five hours to uh, to say no. But I did manage to to say no to that one and I, I came home and I, I sort of stayed patient and, uh, and I eventually found found the truck I needed, which was a, a 1950 Chev truck. I spotted it on a, I was on a bit of a road trip up in New South Wales and I was coming back down through a town called The Rock in New South Wales and sort of eagle-eyed out the window every, you know, I, I spend more time looking behind sheds and, and uh, 
and behind barns than I do at the road and drives my wife crazy. And I'm sure a lot of you guys listening do the same thing. But I spotted this vehicle and it had the bonnet up, so it was kind of hard to see from a distance what it was. But I, I just went, oh, that that looks like a Chevy to me. So I, I wheeled in and, and went and had a chat to the farmer and uh, and he basically he let me have a look at it and he, he said to me that he didn't own it anymore. He'd he'd had a tractor uh, fixed. He had a whole heap of work done on a tractor and he couldn't afford to pay for it. So he'd done a deal with the guys and, and so he used the truck as payment. So he pointed me in the direction of... Uh, of the guys in at the rock that do the the truck center there and so i went and had a chat to them and said look you know i'm really keen on this truck and and they said oh no look one of the, one of us you know the the bloke that owns it i can't remember his name um he said no nah, no nah, my son's going to fix that up we've got it out you know we're going to drag it out of our property and fix it up and i said oh no worries you know obviously and i left left my details with him and i said look if you, if you change your mind at any stage give me a call so came home and sort of a bit disappointed, kept searching. And then one day I get a phone call out of the blue, probably 12 months later. And, uh, and they said, look, if you still want that truck, you can come and get it. So I um, got very excited and grabbed some cash and a, a local tow truck and we headed up there and we brought it home. So that was the start for me. And I kind of had been thinking about it a lot. I've been, you know, I decided that, that a, an Aussie Chev truck was what I wanted and, and I was looking around for another one at the time anyway. And so I got this one home and, and I'd had a lot of a lot of plans in place for what I wanted to do. So I dragged it home, uh, stripped the big the big hay tray off the back of it. Uh, like most of these Aussie cabs, it had had about four or five feet of extra steel welded to the end of the chassis so they could put a bigger, uh, bigger bed on it. And cut all that off and started stripping it back. So... It was in pretty good nick, not much rust, uh, a little bit of cab corner stuff. Uh, the floor's got a little bit in it, uh, but the rest of it is in pretty good nick. And for me, the one thing I wanted was just that original paint patina it was wearing through. You could see where, you know, at the factory they'd leaded it over the joins. So I, I kind of like those features. It tells the real history of the truck. It's a, it's a maple leaf, so it's actually badged as a maple leaf. So a lot of the trucks you see, you know, their badge is 1100 or a, a 1500 or something like that. But mine's is just badged as a maple leaf. Uh, so it's a Canadian, Canadian built truck. And, but it still has the Holden badges. So, uh, the, the Chev trucks that we had here, they came over almost like a flat pack. If you can imagine an Ikea cupboard or something like that, that's how they were shipped into Australia because they were trying to get around the import tax issues that, that the government had put in place for, uh, car imports. Um, Obviously, Holden and Ford were building cars here in Australia and they were trying to stop too much stuff being imported. So Holden, who uh, who were an original coach builder, uh, they they made all the cabs for the Bedfords and all those sort of things. And so they started manufacturing the Chev cabs as well. So the cab on my truck and, and any other Aussie Chev truck you see is manufactured by Holden and, and the rest of it was all imported in. So that's what my truck is. And so for my build... I never really considered the the HQ chassis option mainly because I always wanted my truck to be bigger than that. I always wanted it to be able to have a decent size tray on the back and be able to tow a decent heavy trailer. And spending the last five ten years with a a non turbo diesel Land Cruiser uh, power was something that I needed because my Land Cruiser, you know, it'll tow anything up a hill but it'll be in second gear. So I wanted a big motor and I wanted 
uh, a big towing capacity. So I sort of searched around for what would work for me. I I really knew I wanted to keep the original chassis. I, I didn't want to deal with a lot of the ADR issues that I knew about. At that stage, I didn't know as much as I know now, but I, I'd spoken to a couple of different engineers and I sort of had, had been steered in that direction. If you can use your original chassis, life will be easier. And so I was looking, I was looking for some suspension really and I, I came across uh, a C20 um, square body pickup. So it was about a, I think it was a 78 model. It was a Julie um, rear end on it and it was in a motor builder's yard in Wodonga. So I went and spoke to the guys there and I said, what, what's going on with this truck? And, and the guy said, oh, look, I want it for the dashboard. He wanted the dashboard out of the cab. He was, he was building one himself. I said, oh, would you sell me the chassis and the running gear? And, and he said, yes. So I bought that off him. I dragged it home, um, dragged, pulled the cab and everything back off and gave that back to him. And and it sort of just worked out really well. I, I, I didn't even really measure everything as well as I probably should have before I bought it. But the independent front suspension, it, it almost fit perfectly on my chassis where, where I wanted it to sit. The rear of the chassis were literally within five mil of each other in width. So the the leaf spring hangers and everything just basically fitted fitted straight on. So I cut all the old leaf hangers off the back of the Chev chassis. We shortened the chassis another five feet. So I basically measured the wheelbase of a US one-ton pickup truck and that's exactly the length that I've made my truck. So I can put a nine-foot uh, US bed on my truck because the wheelbase will be correct for that. So we put the... Uh, Spoke to the engineer, worked out how to do it all, put the independent front in. I ended up notching the bottom of my chassis about an inch and a half, two inches for for the IFS to sit in there. So And then plated it just to get a bit of strength. And I needed to just make up about 20 mil of extra width for the IFS to fit in beautifully. So a bit of 10 mil plate um, to strengthen where I'd notched it worked perfectly. And that all bolted in. And then the rear, I decided I'd, I wanted it to sit a bit lower than than what it was originally, so I planned to just do an axle flip. That way, I could keep the full suspension strength um, and towing capacity of the C20. So we did a, a big C notch in the rear. Um, worked out pretty well, and you know when I was doing it, I, I don't plan to ever airbag this truck. I, I don't see any point in it. It's going to be a work truck, but. I figured if I'm going to notch it, I might as well notch it big enough that if I if I did want to lay frame one day or if I wanted to sell it and someone else wanted to fall link and bag it, they could. So it's got a pretty decent size C-notch in the back and with the axle flip, it sits really nicely. Then the, the plan was always for me to put a Cummins 12-valve diesel out of a Dodge Ram in it. And I sort of was keeping my eyes open around Australia uh, to buy an engine. A lot of guys bring them in. But the biggest problem I found was, you know, that they were about eight thousand dollars to buy a used Cummins, and you normally just got the motor. You didn't get a transmission, you didn't get a radiator, you didn't get intercoolers, all those sort of things. And I thought, well, by the time I go and buy all that stuff, I'm going to spend another four or five grand. So I, I kind of come up with the idea to to fly to America, buy a running truck, drive it around, do a bit of a road trip, then chop it up and uh, ship it back. And so that's what we ended up doing. So the good mate Ben and I, um, last November, jumped on a plane and, and we flew over to the States. So I'd, I'd organized, I'd actually come across a truck um, 
through a mate here in Australia. He had one in the States that he was going to sell to me. It was a 98 um, P-Pump 12-valve Cummins with a five-speed manual, which is what I wanted. And due to a couple of things that were sort of out of my control, the, the sale fell through just before, uh, literally a week before we left. So I was I was really uh, left with not much of a plan. We, we flew into uh, Phoenix, Arizona. The plan was to fly in and, and go to Dino's get down. And so we flew in there and basically what I'd done for the for the past week before we left was just hit Craigslist and, and hit Facebook Marketplace and and try and find another RAM to buy uh, when we got over there. So it was quite difficult. Um, there's lots of Dodge Rams for sale. Um, most of them are petrol. Uh, the Cummins has become quite a, a hard engine to buy, cheap anyway. So... In the end, I, I finally found a guy. He had one and it didn't have a title. So if you don't have a title in America for a vehicle, it makes life very difficult. And uh, so he was selling it cheap because it didn't have a title. And it was a pretty rough, you know, the truck had had a pretty hard life. The body was pretty knackered. But it only had about 200,000 miles on it. So And it was exactly what I wanted. It was a five-speed manual. It had the NV4500 transmission. It was a P-Pump uh, Cummins diesel and it ran pretty well and didn't have any blow-by. So we... Um, we flew flew over there and, and and planned to buy that. The biggest problem with that truck was that it was in Kansas and we'd flown into Phoenix. So we spent the weekend in Phoenix. We went to Dino's Get Down and we went to the Good Guy Show in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, which was just awesome just seeing all the all the vehicles. I mean, I know we've had a, a good chat a couple of times about uh, Dino's and, and a little bit about that trip and we're going to hear a bit more about that hopefully in the next episode. But... We effectively flew into Phoenix, rented a brand new Dodge Ram 2500 Bighorn, uh, had a 5.7 litre Hemi V8 in it. It literally had 12 miles on the clock. It was a brand new vehicle um, that that the Hertz rental had in their fleet. And so we picked that up and just, just rented it for two weeks uh, as like a one-way rental. So we picked it up in Phoenix and the plan was to drop it in LA and then fly home so that was great. We we flew in. We spent the weekend in Arizona, checked everything out there. Fantastic. Then we hit the road, basically traveled north up to the Grand Canyon. So we went up, um, stopped and, and met up with Delmo. So you would have heard that interview. It was episode two or three of the podcast. And then continued right up to the Grand Canyon. We spent, uh, well, we got up there late afternoon, wandered around, watched the sunset on the Grand Canyon, stayed there the night. Got up in the morning and, you know, watched the the sun rise over the Grand Canyon about 6.30, 7 in the morning. And then uh, Ben and I were pretty well known for doing a stupid drive and we jumped in that Dodge and we drove for 22 hours straight from the Grand Canyon. We just went due east all the way across to Kansas. So we crossed through... Uh, you know what was left of Arizona. We went through Oklahoma, Texas, right up into Kansas, and uh, just took it in turns, sleeping, driving, sleeping, driving, and filling up with fuel, and just keep on trucking. So, twenty-two hour long haul all the way through, and and we got, you know, it was about four in the morning or something. We we finally rolled into uh, Garden City, Kansas, and uh, just found a nice spot next to a lake just to fall asleep for a few hours and uh, and then we went and met up with the guy that we bought the truck off and uh, yeah so he he was really good you know I paid three thousand dollars US for this for this truck and it was running 
Uh, it wasn't roadworthy, obviously, um, but we drove it around a, a bit of a paddock area and made sure everything worked. And then we basically spent a day or two pulling the thing apart. And we got really lucky that the the place he had it was it was a storage facility. So it was, you know, just different storage units and he had it in one of those. And the idea was we were just going to roll it out of the storage unit and, and try and just pull everything off that we didn't want and somehow load it in the back of the ute and, and keep going. And, and it, I tend to be one of those guys where, I don't know if I'm a bit of a tin ass or something, but, you know, I, I believe in karma and I believe if, if you're a good person, you do good things and you help other people and other people will help you when you need it. And, and my plan the whole time, you know, Ben had been saying to me, how are we going to get this engine out? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And I just kept saying, I don't know yet. It'll work out. We'll find, we'll find something, you know, I, I kind of just trust that that things will work out and, and, you know, my history and my 42 years of life, they, they seem to have always worked out for me. So we got there and, you know, we got there in the afternoon and drove around a bit and there was a mechanics workshop about four doors down and I, I went and had a chat to those guys. I said, look, we bought a vehicle. We're going to have to try and pull an engine and transmission out of it. You know, do you, you know, if I get a bit stuck, will you guys be able to help? And, and he was sort of, yeah, maybe we're pretty busy, kind of couldn't promise anything, but it was, you know, it was a possibility. And then we went and stayed the night. The next morning, we 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 started to pull the truck apart. And the guy that owned the storage uh, facility had a big shed next door, and he owned a little paddock out the back as well. And and he wandered over and introduced himself and sort of asked what we were up to. And and I explained, you know, that you know we'd flown over from Australia and we were pulling the engine out of this this truck to put in another vehicle. And and he was sort of looking at us like we were crazy. And he said, "Oh, what, what do you? What vehicle are you going to put it in?" And I I said to him, oh, "I've got a 1950 Chev." Um, truck that I'm building and he started laughing he goes come next door and so we, we walk into his shed next door and he's got a 1950 Chev pickup truck that he and his son were building so we had this just this instant uh, rapport obviously and and he was really cool and he showed us he showed us his build and next thing you know we've got oxy torches and forklifts and high high pressure washers and you know he couldn't help us enough and so I think if, if we hadn't had him, we would have been there for a week trying to pull his truck apart. But we ended up uh, getting everything we needed. And, uh, and the guy I bought it off, you know, not only did he do a good deal for us, he, he bought a few tools for us to use as well. And and then at the end of it, he said, just leave all the leave all the bits you don't want and I'll get rid of them. So that was a really good good situation for us. So we literally, we, we cut the chassis right behind the transmission mount and then we cut all the suspension hangers off the chassis. So... The chassis became the pallet that we used um, for shipping the motor. So the radiator, intercooler, engine, transmission, the whole lot was still bolted to the chassis in its original position. And we picked it up with a forklift and we put it in the back of the Dodge Ram and and then we just kept on going and and we stopped at, oh, there must have been 10 or 12 different farms and properties and, and yards along the way. And I was looking for a good set of rear guards because I have to build a bed for my truck. So... We, uh, we picked through a lot of trucks. There's so many properties all over America that have just got five, six, seven, eight old trucks sitting out the back. They don't tend to throw things out. And we found one yard that was in Kansas and he must have had 15 to 20 um, Chev trucks from 47 through right through the square body era and managed to – I found two good left hand guards but i couldn't find a decent right hand guard so we got two left guards off him and a couple of tailgates then picked through it a couple of other places and so by the time we'd driven our way back 
Uh, we were from Kansas. The plan was to go to Moab. We wanted to go full driving around Moab. We're going to rent some jeeps and go do some rock crawling. So we basically just drove our way straight back across Colorado and and into Utah. And by the time we got to Moab, we had you know two sets of rear guards, about five tailgates, a set of side steps, uh, a whole bunch of other bits and pieces I needed for the build. So it was really fun. It was a road trip and it was a shopping trip. Uh, we definitely did more driving than than we'd originally planned to. We never planned to go to Kansas. You know, that was literally in the middle of America. Uh, it was a big haul, but it was worth it and, and we got what we needed. So we went full driving in Moab and then went dropped down through Vegas, sort of went and stayed the night in Vegas and I don't mind a game of poker, so I sat in the casino and played poker all night and then we drove down into LA and, and packaged it all up and, and sent it off and flew home. So really good trip. Um, I think at some stage I'll probably do an episode with Ben and we'll just crack a six-pack of beer and, and just uh, get his point of view of the story. He He's not really um, – he's never really been a truck guy. He's a, he's a four-wheel drive enthusiast. He's had some really high, high-end sort of comp truck four-wheel drive stuff. And so it was uh, it was cool to see him come over and check a heap of stuff out and definitely opened his eyes about the truck industry and and uh, and pickup scene. So that, that should be fun one day maybe when uh, I don't have someone interview again and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll do that. But uh, so, yeah, so, I, you know, I waited – waited patiently back here in australia for uh, my shipment to come in which it it finally did right as all this covid stuff was starting to hit so it's kind of good timing and i've yeah spent the last couple of months trying to work out how to shoehorn this massive uh 5.9 liter straight six cummins into the into the chev so i i basically had to remove the complete firewall out of my truck because i knew i knew it was going to be hard to fit and i didn't want to sit there hacking little bits out and trying to fit the engine in and out, I thought the easiest thing to do would be to drill all the spot welds out and take the firewall out completely. So did that and, um, and we got it to sit in where we want it, trying to trying to utilize the original radiator and intercooler out of the Dodge, which has been a, a bit of hard work because they're so wide compared to, you know, the front of the, the Chev, which is quite narrow. But um, slowly working our way through all those issues and, and that's about where I'm at with the build at the moment. The um, transmission... Uh, mounts all fabricated. I'm just in the middle of doing engine mounts for it. Uh, just bought some seats. So I bought a second row bench seat out of an Audi Q7. Uh, so I know that sounds a bit strange, but the idea with those is when you open the back door of the Audi, uh, they've got another row of seats in the back. And so you, you, you slide that seat forward so that you can get in the back. So when, we, when I put that in the front cab of the, of the Chevy, it'll effectively mean that it's it's a split bench seat uh so i can you know and the wife and the dogs will still be able to be in there with me and and if my wife wants to drive the truck she can slide the driver's seat forward so it it'll be it'll be a good result i think they're um black leather they're very comfortable so i just need to work out mounting for them and all those sort of things so yeah been a lot of phone calls to my engineer in the last couple of months and uh really looking forward to to getting it going so that's the story of my truck and and what we'll do, I, I want to sort of do a catch-up um, episode maybe once a month and I'll ring around and, and speak to, you know, we spoke to Rocky in one of the early episodes with his 57 GMC and we spoke to Steve Mazik not long ago. He's building a nice Chev truck as well. And, and the guys that are still in the process of the build, we'll catch up with them once a month and just see what they've been up to and, and I can include an update on, on this build. 
So yeah, that's that's the plan with that. So thanks for listening. I've probably waffled on a bit. It's um, a little bit different not having a a guest, and uh, I hope I haven't bored you to death too much. But uh, so I thought I'd just fill in a bit of information on my truck and my build, and and get you up to date with that. So always looking forward to interviewing the next guest and and i really i really would say you know if you're out there listening and and you've you've got a truck that you've built yourself or you've you know you've got an interesting story of how you've imported it or something like that touch base with me you know you don't have to be a professional builder for me to talk to you on the podcast i'd, I'd like to hear from everyone whether you whether you're a professional or a backyard builder or as your first build or your 50th build so if, if you're out there and, you know, you think you've got a worthy truck or a worthy build or an interesting um, story, hit me up and uh, and it'd be good to catch up with you. So shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com or you can send me a message through Instagram or Facebook and uh, and I'll add you to the interview list and, and if I have another guest fall through like we've had, maybe it'll be a good time to give you a call and, and we'll hear your story. If you'd like to see more pictures of the build and follow along, most of my pictures go up on my Instagram page. It's at Advanced Design Chevrolet. So uh, give that a follow and have a look if you're, if you're keen on the build. So thanks again for listening, guys, and uh, I'll see you next week. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day Even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.